Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. God bless you all for giving tonight. And uh, you guys are looking pretty good tonight. God bless you. Are you excited to be here in God's house? Yeah. I, uh, I'm glad that uh, I was given this opportunity just to come and share the word tonight. It's a teaching Wednesday. We changed our format and last week uh, we had uh, uh, someone come and, and uh, our pastor and uh, one of our pastors here in the, in the Tampa area and he came and gave an awesome word and and we've uh, formatted it so that these next couple of Wednesdays are really a teaching focus on, on what, we, uh, what we heard last week. So we're starting this next couple of Wednesdays on heroes of faith. And as Pastor John was, was sharing there about these heroes of faith and Moses and Abraham, you thought to yourself, man, I'm none of those guys. I'm not qualified to even come close to being hero of faith. Well, let me tell you something. None of, they, none of them were either. None of them. It was God's call that actually qualified them. It wasn't their qualities that qualified them. It was the call. Today I'm sharing out of the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 1, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation tonight. The word says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Let's go to the Lord one more time. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together and worship you and exalt you. And thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Lord God, help us uh, to receive it and help me to deliver it according to your will, the way that you want me to. No more, no less than exactly what you want me to share with your, uh, with your family, with your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Our, evidence, our faith is the evidence that there is a God. You know, there's people that drive by this property all the time and they see the parking lot full and they're saying, oh, they're together again. We don't come here just to have a little powwow and hang out, high five each other. We come here because we know that we're gonna meet God, that God's gonna speak to us, that we're gonna fellowship with the other, we're gonna leave encouraged, right? Our faith is evidence that there's a God and our lifestyle is really the fruit of that faith. When we come to God, his spirit empowers us to think differently, to speak differently, and act differently. A couple of amens. If we're not thinking differently after we come to Christ, if we're not speaking differently, if we're not acting differently, we need to talk. <laughs> because there should be a marked difference between what we were and what we are after we come to Christ. Reputation, that word, I'm going to define that. It, it, what it means is the beliefs or opinions that are generally held about someone or something. I say that because in this word it says they, they had a good reputation. What it means is that, that our faith is actually impacting everyone around us. Everyone. My first point tonight is this, faith spares life. Faith spares life. In Hebrews 11, and I'll, just to give you a little bit of background on this, 
this whole book of Hebrews was really directed to that first generation of of Jewish converts, those that went from practicing Judaism to uh, to practicing and believing, walking with Christ as the Lamb that was slain once for all. We walk with Him, we confess Him, and they're 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 in. But they were being tempted to fall back into that some of that temple worship. So here, the writer sends this letter, and it's really a series of messages, but it's a letter to the Hebrew people in Hebrew. And faith spares life. Faith spares life. By faith, Moses, after his birth, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful and divinely favored child, and they were not afraid of the king's decree. What was going on here was that this author, he was speaking to the Hebrews, telling them about these heroes of faith. There's a list in Hebrews 11 of just men and women of God that just uh, walked in faith and God used them mightily. And Moses is one of them that this chapter actually dives in a little bit into. And it starts here in verse 23 where it says, his parents, the faith that they had, caused them to hide Moses. This was what was going on there at that time back in Exodus. The Pharaoh was now not looking favorably at the, at the people of Israel, and they were trying to either breed them out or just wipe them out because they were fruitful. They were multiplying so much so that they were outnumbering the Egyptians. So the Pharaoh ordered this decree, every male child is to be killed. And here, Moses' parents didn't fear that. What they actually did was hide him for a period of time after he was born. Let's stop right there. How do you hide a baby? Did he not cry? It's not like they have a 1,500-square-foot house. It's, these homes were small, and, and to hide a child for three months, I'm like, did he not cry? Maybe he was a divine child. Not crying. Wait a minute. Not only did they hide him because they were trying to spare his life because the Pharaoh was after every male child, but they, they said, you know, he's getting old. I, we've got to try something. We've got to do something. They, they created this, basically a bassinet, a waterproof bassinet. They hid him by the Nile of the river. Isn't the Nile where there's a bunch of crocodiles in that Nile? So they watched from afar off, and then the next interesting thing happens, which is the Pharaoh's daughter comes and finds Moses and opens it up and finds he's crying. He does cry. And instead of saying, oh, this is a Hebrew child, let's get rid of him, she saw that he was beautiful and adopted him pretty much. Gave him to, gave him to someone to which ended up being his mother, to wean him and take care of him, but then raised him as her own. Let me tell you something. At the very beginning of Moses' life, there was close call after close call after close call. I ran across this story. In the December 2nd, 1979, there was this woman. Her name was Alveda Adams. 
She was 29 at the time and she lived in New York City. She was dealing with a lot of depression and financial problems. She had been fired from her job and was now on welfare, $100 a week. Barely was able to make uh, ends meet. And she, she found herself being harassed every single day by her landlord saying, you're gonna get, I'm gonna kick you out, I'm gonna evict you, I'm gonna evict you. So all these pressures are on, are on her. And she found herself at the Empire State Building. The 86th floor of the Empire State Building, it's, it's that famous observation deck that many of you have probably been there to observe the skyline, look, it over, look over New York City. But it was famous because a lot of tourists would go and some people actually went there to try to end their life as well. So there was this fence that was erected around that, around that 86th floor and they had security guards there posted, making sure that everybody was okay and safe. But that night, something happened. The security guards were gone and here that evening, Elvita found herself on the 86th floor. She was just kind of fed up with life and she walks to the edge and she threw herself off the Empire State Building. She dropped about 20 feet and a gust of wind blew her back towards the building and she ended up on a three-foot ledge on the 85th floor. Someone found her and all she suffered was a broken hip. Normally, we know how this would end, but in this case, something intervened. You know what that was? Someone was praying for her. Somebody's faith was activated, praying for her at some point, and God moved and blew her back towards the building. Someone exercised their faith in a word of prayer and God's mercy responded. I, I say that to say this. Stop and think of, of some of your close calls. Have you ever had a close call? I started going through some of my close calls and I was like, oh yeah, that was that one time and that other time and that other time. And then I just stopped. I got nervous. I'm like, you know, let me just stop. God's mercy is amazing. Think about all your close calls. Someone has been praying for you. Someone was praying for you. And you may be saying, you know, you don't know my family. I'm the first one to come to Christ in my family. There is no one praying for me. Well, I know exactly how that feels. Way back in the day, I was the first one to give my life and my family. But look, even if no one in your family is praying for you, do you understand that there, there are people that pray for you every single morning here in this room, our pastoral staff come together and we pray for you, for people watching online, for those in this city, those outside of the city that would come to know Christ and start walking with them. Someone has been praying for you. And listen, if that's not enough for you, I'll tell you this, Jesus prayed for you. In the book of John, it talks about how he prayed for his disciples and prayed for all those that would come to know him. Someone's been praying for you. Your faith in God is important. You've been spared for such a time as this. Someone needs to hear that tonight, maybe online. You have been spared for such a time as this. 
It's for your faith in God to shine through your life and people be drawn to you to ask the questions. What, what happened to you? What, where did that happen? When did that happen? Why did that happen? How did that happen? Your faith in God is to shine through your life. People are going to be attracted to you and ask what happened. And there's your chance to say, I came to a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord. And, and he changed the trajectory of my fall. Come on. People are going to ask, when did that happen to you? Some of you can tell me right, right to the where it happened. Where did it happen? When did it happen? We should know our, our birthday, our spiritual birthday. We're close to it. The where, where did that happen? You know what? People could give their life to Christ anywhere. Anywhere. One of the last ones that I, I, I remember so vividly was just a few months ago. Uh, my wife and I and, and the boys, we went to New York. We drove to New York again. <laughs> uh, uh, and and it, was, it, was, uh, it was interesting. Another story for another day. <laughs> but while we were up there, we stopped in, I believe, Long Island. And we stayed. We were visiting family. So we stayed in the hotel for about uh, three days. But... Everybody was in the car. I ran in just to get the information going. And, and I walk in on this conversation with the concierge and, and this lady are having this, this talk. And she's talking about God. And, and, and here this, this young lady behind the desk is, is talking about how uh, she's been seeking after God and thinking about God. And I'm like, this is an awesome conversation going on. I just walked in on Great. So the lady and they stopped talking and the lady was like, okay, I'll see you later. That's, yeah, that's awesome. This and that. And I was like, um, uh, uh, you know, talked to her for a little bit and went inside, went to the car, came back just to finish up. And, and I couldn't help myself. I just walked in and said, so you've been seeking God? She's like, yeah, I just, I light this candle. And then I try to think about him. I'm like, do you know that you can come into relationship with God real, real easy? It's confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. And she's looking at me. I said, you want to do, make that decision right now? She's like, yeah. I said, okay, well, let's pray. And I led her to the Lord. I, we went through the sinner's prayer. She gave her life to Christ. I walked out. I wasn't gone, but three minutes, I walked out to the car. My eyes were big. And Marisol's like, what, what happened? I said, she just gave her life to Christ. like three minutes. This is unbelievable. Where people are going to ask the why. Why did you give your life to Christ? I hope you know your why. Remember your why. Oh, I was lost. I, could, I didn't have any meaning. I didn't have any purpose in life. And then I came to Christ and he, he showed me who I was and where I was going and what I needed to do. Remember your why. Because people are going to ask, we're living in a time where people are searching for hope. And we have been born and are here for such a time as this. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We have the answer. Amen. 
My second point tonight is this. Faith sees eternal reward, not temporary treasures. The scripture says there, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. Moses denied his Egyptian upbringing and its riches. That's a big deal. I mean, he was the adopted son of the princess. I mean, he had a little bit of clout. And he denied all that for his, for his faith and because of Christ. A large portion of society now is all, they're fixed on earthly treasures. They're fixed on what they've got in the bank and what the car looks like, what the shoes look like, and what the bank account looks like. And that's, their, that's what they're focused on. They're focused on their future. And, and that's good to prepare for the future, but understand that tomorrow's not promised. Can you imagine if Moses hadn't denied his, his, his Egyptian upbringing? Instead of reading about him in God's word, we'd be visiting his sarcophagus with some treasures in a museum. Like the other pharaohs, right? Oh, yep, there's, there's Moses. Yep, there's his body. There's some treasures. Wasn't he supposed to do something? Oh, yeah, yeah, he was called to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, but he said no. Don't let the temporal disqualify you from the eternal. Amen? Point number three is this. Faith causes us to walk out on our land of sin. The word says here in verse 27, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Our journey of faith, it starts at confession. It doesn't end there. It's just the beginning. And when I say confession, I'm talking about confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. That's where it starts. Most people confess Christ as Lord in the midst of their mess, in the midst of their sin, in the midst of their Egypt. But you can't stay there. You can't stay there. You got to walk out. You got to walk out of your land of sin and stay out. Some people make the mistake of coming to Christ and then they think they can still go hang out in the same old places with the same old friends, with the same old things. And we got to come out of Egypt. <laughs> Listen, God has not called anybody. <laughs> yeah. I don't know of any missionaries to the clubs in Orlando. I don't know of one. We got to get out of our, sometimes we get, we, we get stuck in these ruts and we're like, what's happening? Why, why am I stuck in this? Well, you haven't walked out of those old friendships that, yeah, those old friendships you're supposed to be a light to. Yes, great. But if you start, they start influencing you more than you influence them, then you got to say, hey, I'll see you later. I'm praying for you. I'm here. Doors open. Let's see you. Got to walk out of our Egypt. 
You know, our commitment to God through Christ has to be walked out in life. It's not just a few nice words that we say one time. It's, it's, the best way to illustrate this is really the marriage relationship. You know, we, we find our, our one. And we start to talk to them and we start a relationship with them and, and we commit each one to, to the other. We, we, we get into this committed relationship, right? But you never see someone come to a relationship and get committed and go to the altar and say your vows and come under that covenant of marriage and you may now kiss your bride. You kiss your bride and then say, okay, see you later. It was nice talking to you. And just go to your own house, live in your own place, never talk to them again. Is that a marriage? Absolutely not. Is that a relationship? Nope. That's just some nice words that were said one time and no follow through. Many of us sometimes think that that's how it is with Jesus. That, oh, I thank you, Jesus. You saved my soul, you saved my life. I want to give you my heart. Okay. And we don't crack open the word of God. We don't talk to him. We don't walk with him. We don't listen to what he's saying to us. He's trying to talk. But I thought we were in a committed relationship. He's always ready to commit. We're the ones that have to walk it out. Number four, faith leads us to walk on new grounds. Verse 29 says this, it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. First time I really saw that, I'm like, wait a minute, dry ground? I mean, he parted the sea. But not only did he part the sea, but he dried the ground underneath so that they would walk on dry ground, uncharted territory. No one has, had ever stepped on the floor and walked on the floor of the Red Sea. Ever. Uncharted territory. Let me tell you about some uncharted territory that, was, that a group of people found themselves walking in because of their faith. Way back in the day, like 1920s, there was a group of people that got put on their heart to come to the Florida area and uh, Central Florida area and start a church work. Just a few people from the West Coast, not Tampa West Coast, California West Coast. They came over and they started ministering to people and gathering and, and after a few years it started to grow, more people were there and and they formed a church in the 30s, and they became First Assembly of God. First Assembly of God here in Orlando. It started on Atlanta Avenue. We're talking about almost 100 years ago. Started on Atlanta Avenue, and they outgrew that building, and, and then went to Grand Avenue. And after they outgrew that building, then they relocated and built a, a building right on the corner of Michigan Street and Peel. Are you there yet? <laughs> that first assembly, through its ups and downs in, in the seasons, now is Faith Assembly Michigan Street Campus. Which we just got to celebrate 10 years of being a faith campus this past Sunday. And people, 
are still being saved, still being delivered, still being disciples, still receiving calls uh, to, to go and do works for God. And it's all because of the faith of a few people that chose to walk in faith into some uncharted territory. Why do I say that to you? Because your faith walk with God will take you to places you wouldn't be able to get to by yourself. You're going places. You're going somewhere. God knows. And all we have to do is just take step by step by step. Just keep following what he's asking us to do. My last point is this. Faith influences the next generation. Faith influences the next generation. By faith, the word tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 30, I'm reading out of the Amplified. It says this, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days by Joshua and the sons of Israel. I chose that because I wanted to be very specific as to who walked into that, into that promised land. It was the generation of Joshua. Their parents, they'd all passed away in the desert because of their disobedience. They, they came to the brink of the, of the promised land, sent out spies, and they came back and believed the negative report instead of believing the, the good report that, that we can take this. If God is for us, who could be against us? But they disobeyed. They walked away. But before they, that previous generation passed, they had 40 years to talk about the why. What are you talking about? God said at that point of disobedience for the people of Israel, the people 20 and above, everyone 20 and everyone over the age of 20 will not see the promised land. So here are all these people, 20 years old and above, disobeying the 20-year-olds and younger, looking around, watching what's happening. And for the next 40 years, they'd have to be sitting there with their parents. Why is that important? Can you imagine that moment where those first couple of years where they started wandering, when they had to walk away from the promised land and there's young kids and teenagers saying, where are we going? Isn't it that way? Why are we going back? And for the next 40 years, they had to hear, why? Why, why are we here? Many of you have had small children, have had teenagers. We've got three. One's going, one's going to be nine this month, Judah, and the twins are, are five and a half going on 15. <laughs> they try to tell me how to drive. The light turns yellow, and they're like, go faster, Daddy, go faster. I'm like, slow down. Your mom's got a camera in here. No. <laughs> But imagine those first couple of years with little kids saying, why, why are we walking around in circles, mom? 
Why are we walking around in circles, Dad? Why? Oh, because we, um, you know, uh, we disobeyed God. Why? Well, because we believe the negative report. Why? <laughs> well, because we were scared. Why? Because <laughs> we forgot how big God was. Why? I mean, come on. You go on a shore on a trip with little kids, it's not long before they're saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? The Joshua generation, they experienced God's glory. They saw his miracles. They believed that God was make, that he would make the impossible possible. This generation all of them, they all went to sleep with a pillar of fire lighting their night. They all woke up with a pillar of cloud by day. The word says that their shoes didn't even wear out. The clothes on their back didn't even wear out for 40 years. So even, even in their, the parents' disobedience, their faith still had an impact. And the question is this, what, what kind of legacy will your faith leave behind? What kind of legacy will your faith leave, leave behind? I came from a family that was really, they were, I've said this before, they were just pagans, man. They, didn't, they were seeking something, but they, they didn't know where to find it. So they kind of looked in a lot of different places. I was there for that process. The day that I gave my life to Christ <laughs> was a day that I felt that weight come off of my shoulders where I realized, hey, God's not just out there looking down at us, just waiting for us to get out of line so he can just smack us around. No, God is a loving God that wants to walk with us in relationship and that decision changed the trajectory of my family because parents got saved and brother and sisters got saved and, and, and cousins got saved. And our faith has an impact on everyone around us. I had my twins in the backseat just a couple of days ago talking about, Dad, I want to get baptized. I'm like... Do you, know, do, you, do you know what being baptized is? <laughs> and they, I, we start talking that out. And I said, well, what do you think ba being baptized is? He goes, oh, it's when my sins are forgiven. I said, you're almost there. He said, you get baptized <laughs> after you accept Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord. And then you get, it's really called baptized then you get baptized to show everybody what's happened on the inside. I got five-year-old kids asking me these questions. The day that Judah gave his life to Christ was absolutely unbelievable. It was beautiful. I think I've shared that here before too. I just think it's appropriate. I, after a Thursday night service, when we had Thursday night service back in the day, he, we come home and I'm in the kitchen fixing him something and, and Judah pops his 
head around the corner. He goes, Dad, I gave my life to Jesus. I said, when? When? He goes, right now. I said, where? He goes, in the playroom. I said, okay, I'll be right there. Finished what I was doing. I walked over there and I said, so tell me, what happened? He goes, I gave my life to Jesus. I said, what, what did you say? He said, well, I, I asked Jesus to come into my heart that I wanted to know him more. I'm like, and then he looks at me and says, go ahead, ask him. <laughs> I guess I hesitated. <laughs> Your faith affects the next generation. Your children, your grandchildren, those that you love, the people that you have some kind of influence in, with, their life trajectory is going to change because your faith is not just about you and getting, being saved and going to heaven and yay. No, we're called. All of us are called to reach people around us. And we're living in a time that I believe it's, it's the last days, but it's a time where the word says there's going to be a mighty influx of people into the kingdom of God. And we get to see it. We get to be a part of it. Your faith is important. And like Pastor Johnny said on Sunday, mustard seed faith. You don't even need a big old mountain of faith. You need just a small mustard seed of faith. And it'll make a difference. Not only for you, but the people that you love. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.